Jesus is the real hero, <laughs> and so uh, he's the one that does all the healing. He he is a healer, and um, but yeah, we we uh, so we have a, a part of a large disciple making community. We're literally disciples making disciples making disciples. That is our heart. That is our passion. And when I say disciple. You know, that, yeah, it could mean anything. You know, if you look around at most, most churches would say, oh, we're making disciples. We kind of define it a little bit different. Um, when you read the book of Acts and you see how the disciples walked in the book of Acts, that's what we define as a disciple. People who are living the kingdom of God and uh, who everywhere they go, you know, we, we equip people where everywhere they go, they're praying for people. They're sharing the gospel with people. They're healing the sick. They're delivering the captives. And, you know, that's what we would define as a disciple. And so um, we really have a heart to hands-on equip and train people to live that kind of life and to help them grow the kingdom of God. And um, so, and th these sisters here, Barbara and Kristen, they, they live that same life. Uh, Barbara has been, I mean, she, she's a warrior in the kingdom. And so she's seeing signs and wonders follow her everywhere she goes. She's preaching the gospel everywhere she goes, setting people free. Uh, well, Kristen, we just met recently through a traveling missionary that we know who does the same thing, lives, lives the kingdom of God. And uh, Kristen moved to Raleigh recently uh, to, to get equipped. And we, we have people move. We just had three couples move from Seattle, Washington in the last six months to get equipped. We've had another couple that just moved last week from Colorado to, to live here to get equipped. And so that's what we're doing is building the kingdom of God. Um, we, and so I'm, I'm going to just share a little bit of my testimony and kind of just share with you how this journey that Lord's taken me on that's just been very amazing, very humbling. Um, and because, you know, I see so many people, they look at healing or, or signs and wonders as some big deal, and they, they tend to elevate people, which is totally the wrong thing to do. It, it is all Jesus. It is only Jesus. And what he's taught me more than anything, because I used to pray for people all the time and I would never see people get healed. I mean, I prayed for lots of people that I never saw get healed. Lots and lots and lots, okay? And ultimately, the Lord taught me wh what the problem was. And guess what the problem was? It was me. I was the problem, I was in the way. I didn't understand how I was in the way, but I was in the way. And that's what he had to teach me was how to get out of the way. And it's really a place of just more surrender and just letting him be who he is and flow through us. And so I'm just going to talk about that. We'll teach on it more next week. What I'm going to do this week is more share my testimony and we're going to have some times of ministry and stuff like that. Okay. And we'll, um, and so, uh, I'll do, uh, right as I wrap up today, before we start praying for people, I'm, I'm just going to do a little bit of real simple, basic teaching that's going to seem like something so simple to you. They're like, is it that simple? Yes, yeah, that's simple. Because he does the hard part. Our part's easy. <laughs> he does the hard part. He does the part we could never do. And so I'm going to, and, uh, and we're going to get some of you guys involved in praying for some people today. This isn't about me. This is about him and who he is, okay? It's about who Jesus is. And so, um, so just to kind of give you, a, just share my testimony with you and kind of what this journey has been like. So um, I grew up in a home that was not a Christian home, uh, never went to church uh, other than a couple times I had a, when I would, had a friend I would stay with and I would stay with my friend 
and, it, and sometimes we would stay at his grandparents' house. And if you were at his grandparents' house, you were getting up and you were going to church. I mean, that's just the way it was. And they went to this very, very traditional Episcopal church. Uh, I, I was really young then, and I just remember these kneeling benches and playing with them, you know, and getting in trouble for that. <laughs> you know, and so, like, I was pretty young then. But that was about it. I went, you know, several times, maybe, maybe five times. That was about it. I think I was in church for a wedding one time, but I was real young then, too. It was like, I just did, I wasn't churched. And so I'd never heard the gospel. When I was 23 years old, I heard the gospel for the first time. I, I met this guy a week earlier who was a, a businessman. And I was like, okay. Um, he, he invited me to this business convention. And I thought, okay, well, I, I want to learn more about leadership and stuff like that. And, and uh, so I went. Well, I didn't know it was a Christian businessman's convention. And they were preaching the gospel there on, on the last day. The first couple of days, it was just leadership stuff and all that. <laughs> Very biblically based, but I didn't know that because I didn't know my Bible. And, uh, and, but then they preached the gospel that Sunday morning. They really had a very evangelistic service. I responded. I heard a message that we need to repent. It was actually one of those old school fire and brimstone messages. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Repent or burn in hell. You know, one of those. Like seriously. Like, and, and that's like the message I heard. It's like, uh, and I was like, I don't, you know, and my wife and I were both there. We walked down now. We accepted Christ. And I can tell you, my heart changed that day. And so much changed in my life and so much that bound me, I did get free from. And, um, and I started pursuing God. And I, for hours a day, I would sit and read my Bible. I just couldn't get enough. I just wanted to know who this Jesus was. And I wanted to grow in him and learn and so I would just read my Bible. I, I've been to, over the years, so many different, different churches, different denominations, all these things. And, um, and so I uh, was baptized in water, um, fully submerged in water, baptized into Jesus. Back uh, later that year, when I was about 20, when I was still 23 years old, a couple years later, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, and so, you know, it's just been an incredible journey. So I'm going to fast forward you through a whole lot of years to about three and a half years ago. And three and a half years ago, I had an encounter with God that has totally transformed everything. And, you know, for, for 28 years as a believer before that, um, I was reading my Bible. I was going to church all the time. I was ministering all the time. Um, I was always ministering some way or another. And, but there was still also a lot of things that I struggled with. There was a lot of things I didn't understand why I struggled with. You know, why am I struggling with anger? Why am I struggling struggle with getting offense? Why am I needing the approval of men to feel validated and feel okay? You know, I, I had habitual sins. I struggled with lust really bad. Why am I struggling with that? Why are these things a part of my life and I'm struggling with these things? And I can tell you now, Jesus has set me free completely, totally, 100%. And it started three and a half years ago when I had a whole other level of an encounter with him. And that's what I want to share with you and how that transformed me. And it's really the key, one of the foundational keys to us really moving to another level in Christ. Um, so three and a half years, well, probably about... 2015 or 16 still in church all the time you know i was I actually was an audio engineer so I, I actually had a large church that was contracting with my company and i'm running sound for like four services every sunday doing the midweek rehearsal 
doing all this stuff. So I'm, I'm around church all the time, you know, and I had a company that worked with churches doing audiovisual with them. And I, but I'd gotten at this place where I was really lukewarm. I, I had quit reading my Bible all the time. I'd quit praying all the time. I'd pray when I needed stuff. I'd pray when something wasn't going right. But I had gotten very lukewarm in pursuing God. I wasn't pursuing Him like I'd always pursued Him. And um, I didn't even realize. I just slipped into watching a lot of TV. I'd just work all day, come home, flip on the TV, <clears throat> watch TV till late and go to bed. Get up, work, do the same thing the next day. <clears throat> and so this became this lukewarm routine. And for two or three years, that was that routine. And I don't, it happened so slow, I don't even think I realized what was happening. And all of a sudden, one day, I'm sitting at home. My family was at the soccer field. I got three boys. My wife and the kids were at the soccer field. And I'm watching TV again. And I hear the voice of the Lord so clearly. It, I, I don't, it wasn't audible, I don't think. <laughs> it was so strong inside of me. It might as well have been audible. And this is what he said. He said, you think you're still working for me? You quit working for me when you quit seeking me. That's what the Lord said to me. I welped up in tears and I grabbed the TV remote and I turned the TV off and said, Lord, I'm done with that. And I'm chasing you with everything I got from this day forward. And I changed my habits immediately. I quit watching TV. I quit listening to the mixture of Christian music and secular music I always listen to. And I started doing nothing but him. I started praying. I, I, I still had to go to work. But when I was at work with my company, if I wasn't in a meeting, which I'd, I'd have about an hour a day on average that I would be in meetings with other people. And if I wasn't in a meeting and I was at my desk or I was in my car driving somewhere to an appointment, I, I would have my audio Bible playing all day. All night long, I would sleep with it playing. I just barely could hear it when I'd sleep at night. I did nothing but listen to the Word, pray, and seek Him. I felt like I was behind. I had lost time, and I needed to make up for it. And so I started seeking Him with everything I got. And just a little bit after that, He, was, he started changing, and just something was changing in me and shifting. And... Uh, I, I met this couple who were going to start a church, a new church plant. And uh, I just felt like the Lord said, help them plant this church. So I started working with them to help plant this church. It was just a small little group of people, nowhere near this many. And, uh, and, and they started off, they said, hey, we want to start off with 21 days of prayer, prayer and fasting. They were like, you can fast any way you want to fast, partial fast, full all, all out, just water, whatever you want to do. But but we want you to get up an hour in the morning and pray. And we want you to pray an hour in the evening too, if you can, but at least an hour in the morning. And so I was like, man, all I'm doing is Jesus now. Anyway, I'm all in. Let's do this. So I get up an hour early. And I'm not a morning person. <laughs> I'd rather be late night. But I'd get up an hour early and I'd start praying. And here's what it did. It exposed a very serious problem that I had that I didn't realize I had. Because I would sit there and I would pray down my list. I'm praying for everybody I think I have to pray for. And I'm praying for the church and I'm praying for the country. And I'm praying for people I know and praying for my family. And, I'd, and then I'd be like, okay, I, I prayed for all that stuff. And I'd look at my watch and it had been 15 minutes. And I'm like, oh, it's only been 15 minutes. What do I do for the next 45 minutes? And I realized 
I don't know how to be in the presence of the Lord. I've felt His presence. I know all about Him. I can quote Scripture for days. I know the Word. I can, I can stand up and do a sermon. I can stand up and teach something. But I started realizing I don't know Him. I know all about Him. I know all about Him, but I don't know Him. I didn't understand how to have intimacy with Him. I didn't understand how to be in this deep relationship with Him. I didn't even know if it was possible at that time because I'd only experienced what I had experienced up to that point in time. And if you had asked me before that if I had a good relationship with the Lord, I said, absolutely. Especially if you take out the few years of lukewarm and ask me before then. I've been like, absolutely. I really, I love the Lord. I serve God. I, you know, and that would have been my answer. But I started realizing I don't know him intimately. And I had a lot of walls up from, from wounds in me, from my past, that, that kind of, and I put these walls up in lots of places in my life to prevent from being hurt more. And because of that, I didn't know how to be close to anybody, including him. I mean, I could be close to a certain point, but not further. You know, and I didn't realize it was a problem until then. And I started realizing, and the Lord started showing me this problem. And I started crying out to him. I said, Lord, I got to know you. It's not enough to know about you anymore. I got to know who you are. I need to know you. I need to experience you. I need to have this intimacy with you. And I need you to show me how. And I started crying out on my face before him. And, you know, and I, was, I had such a high expectation going into that time of prayer and fasting. I thought, Lord, you're going to show up, man. This is going to be, I've never prayed, in, I've never prayed this much, like 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is going to be awesome. I've never done that before. I was like thinking something amazing was going to happen. And then I'm sitting here realizing I have this problem. And for that, for the next about week and a half to two weeks, as I'm praying for an hour and forcing my, like kind of striving to pray for an hour, and then an hour in the evening, I realize, like, it's, it's just so much hitting me. And for that first week or two, I felt like I was in a desert. I'm like, I thought this would be awesome. Where are you, Lord? Like, you're not here. I'm here, but you're not here. I don't feel, I mean, I, I feel you a little bit, but like, it, this isn't what I thought. But then the third week, it shifted. And he showed up. And I would be on my face before him for hours just weeping and just crying in his presence and going, Lord, come in me and take all the stuff out of me. Change me. Show me how to know you intimately. Show me how to know you. And I would be weeping and I'd look at my watch and it's been two hours. And I didn't even realize it, it felt like it had been 15 minutes. And he started doing this work in me and he started changing me. And I started, and he started showing me the junk I had in me that I'd had there as a born again believer for 28 years. And there's still selfishness in me. And there's still self centeredness in me. And everything is evolving around me. And yes, I love him and want to serve him. And yes, I'm doing things for other people. And it was just this big mixture of doing ministry for him and doing ministry for me. Doing ministry for him because I did want to serve him and please him. And he was changed me over those 28 years to care more about people. But at the same time, 
The wounds in me, I needed the approval of men. I needed the pats on the back. Hey, that was a good message. That was a good sermon. Wow, that was really good. And I needed that to feel validated because I was so messed up inside. And he started showing me my heart. And I started crying out, saying, Lord, you got to change me. you got to take everything out of me that's not of you. And you need to come into the deepest place in me. And you need to change me. And Lord, I need more love. I need you to fill me with your love. I need to see things and people in the way you do. I need more love in me to love you like I should, because I know I don't now. I always thought I did, but I now realize I, I, I didn't even know how to have that kind of love. And it's something that you, you deserve a love that's beyond anything I can produce, and I need you to come and work it in me. And he started doing a work in me, and he started changing me. And then November of... So, that, so this journey for me, this started August of 18. November of 18, this pastor that I know from New York that I barely know, I, I've met him a time or two, don't know a whole lot about him, and they don't know a whole lot about me, but I know him a little bit. And this pastor calls me and says, hey, I'm traveling with this missionary out of Ecuador called Pastor Carlos, and, and he really loves music, and he knows you've got this commercial Christian recording studio, and he'd like to come by and see your studio and meet you. He didn't need, he wanted to meet me. He wanted to see the studio. There was nothing about me to meet then. And so, but he said, they come by, and, they, and we go back into the studio control room, and, he, and we sit down. And he, he looks at me with this really puzzled look on his face. And then all of a sudden, he looks at me in the eye and he goes, you've been crying out to God. And he has heard your cries. You first started crying out to him about this. And he has heard your cries. And this is what he says. And he started prophesying to me exactly what I talked to God about on my knees in, in my secret place, in my prayer closet. And he said, next, you started crying out to God about this. And he has heard your cries. And this is what God says. And he started just prophesying. And he prophesied to me for about 20 minutes Everything I'd talked to God about on my knees in my prayer closet that I had told nobody. I had not told my wife. I had not told anybody. My wife knew something was going on with me and something was changing, but she didn't know what. Because I couldn't, I wouldn't say anything to her because I couldn't explain what was going on. I, he was changing me so quickly and so fast, I couldn't put it into words. I didn't, she, would, she just knew something was different because when she'd come home instead of the TV being on, I'd have the Bible in my lap and the TV's off. And if she would come on and flip the TV, I would say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and read. And I'd go back to my prayer closet and I'd hit my knees or I'd open up my Bible back there. And he's prophesying everything to me so specifically that I'm talking to God about in secret. And nothing he said confused me until the very last thing he said to me. And it made no sense to me. And, and I realize now the only reason the Lord had him prophesy all this stuff that no one could have known but God was so I wouldn't disregard the last thing he said to me that I didn't understand. When he said this to me, I just didn't understand. I was really confused. Because here's what he said. He gets up to leave. He puts his hand on the doorknob of the control room to, to go out. And I stand up to follow him. And he stops. And he turns around. And he looked me straight in the eye. And he said, one thing you must do. You must deal with your sin. 
And he turned and left. That's the last words the prophet said to me. Last words the man of God spoke to me. I'm standing there. I whelp up in tears immediately. I said, Lord, what, if, what is he talking about? What is it that I've done? What have I done, Lord? What if, Lord, I don't understand. Like even things I struggle with, habitual sins I struggle with, different things I struggle with, I don't struggle with anymore. Because all I do now is you. All I think about is you. All I do is read your word. All I do is pray. That is all I do anymore. What sin, Lord? What is he talking about? And then my next thought was, he must have heard from God wrong. And my next thought was, that's stupid. He just told me every single thing God's, I've talked to God about in private that no one could know. And now I'm back to, Lord, what did I do? What have I done? What is he talking about? What is this about? I'm still standing in control of him. He's out the front door. He's gone. <laughs> and I just started seeking the Lord, going, Lord, what is this about? I don't understand. And three days later, for three days, I'm confused about this. The third night, I go into my room a couple hours early because I'm just going to spend time with the Lord and pray and listen to my audio Bible and just, just talk to Him. And I go in and I hit play and I lay back on the pillow and the minute my head hits the pillow, the Spirit of God came in the room stronger. I'm talking, look, I've been in worship services. I've felt the presence of God. This was like that times a hundred. I felt like the presence of God comes so strong upon me. And I knew it was Him. And I felt this love and this peace and this acceptance. And then immediately He shows me one of my sins from my past. Just one. Don't matter what it is. By man's standards, it was a minor one. But there's no minor sin to God. There's no such thing. And he shows me this one sin. And all of a sudden, I start weeping. Because it's not just like him saying, oh, you did this. I am seeing my sin for the first time before a holy God. I'm seeing my sin before a holy God. In the Psalms 51, David says, Lord, against you only have I sinned. And I'm seeing my sin before him. I was used to comparing my sins to everybody else. Going, well, I'm doing better than them. I hadn't done half the stuff they've done. And, you know, I'm doing better. Than Look, I'm way better than they are. No, we're supposed to see our sins before a holy God. And all of us fall short when we look at him. We all need a Savior when we look at him. And none of us deserve it. There's nothing we can do to earn it. He laid his life down, died on that cross, crucified for us to shed his blood to atone for our sins because it's not just about the sins we do every day. It's the sinful nature that we're born with. It's a sinful nature that was put in the fall, from the fall of man. Everyone is born into that sinful nature. And it is that sin that we must be saved from. And he sent his son to die on that cross to shed his blood to atone for sin because someone had to pay the price for our sins. And he sent his son to pay that price for us so we can be redeemed and the, the penalty the price that has to be paid can be paid so that we can walk free. When we stand before him and he says, you're guilty of sin. What is, what is your defense? You can say, Jesus. He paid the price for me. Jesus steps in and says, I paid the price for that one. His sins are all covered. 
We all need that Savior. And so I'm seeing my sin before this holy God. I break down weeping so hard. I'm crying so hard I can't breathe. I'm like, you ever seen a child crying so hard they can't breathe and get air? They're gasping. That's how I was crying. I'm gasping. I'm weeping. And all of a sudden, as soon as I repent, the minute I say, Father, I'm sorry, forgive me. The minute I repent of it, I feel his like this love and this acceptance and this peace that is beyond anything I've ever experienced. And I, and, my, and I felt him. I felt the Lord hold me and say, son, I love you so much. I love you with all my heart. I'm so proud of you. And then he immediately showed me another sin. And I'm weeping and I'm crying and I'm repenting. And then I feel his love and peace again. And then he shows me I still got this bitterness inside of me and this anger and resentment inside of me for, for you know, man, for so much stuff. For people in my past, people that did things, people that didn't do things that I thought they should do, people that did things they shouldn't have done. And I've got, and he's showing me, and I've got this bitterness in my heart, I've got this anger in my heart, and I need to forgive them. He says, if you don't forgive, neither will I forgive you. And he starts showing me I have this bitterness and junk in my heart, and I start just crying, repenting, saying, Lord, forgive me. And I started forgiving those people. And I started repenting of the bitterness and repenting of the anger and repenting of all this stuff. And, I, and, I, and then I would feel that love and peace come over me again, and I would feel him just holding me. And then he would show me another sin. And this went on for like two hours. I, I, honestly, I don't know how long it was. It, it, I don't know if it was 30 minutes or three hours, but it seemed like it was a couple hours. And when it was over, he was showing me no more sins. He was just holding me. He was just loving me. He was just saying how proud he was of me. And I was free from everything I'd struggled with, ever. The offense was gone. The need and approval of men was gone. The needing to be validated was gone. The bitterness was gone. The anger was gone. The lust I'd struggled with was gone. The pornography addiction was gone that I hated. For 28 years as a Christian, I'm struggling with pornography and lust, and I hated it. And, I felt, and it brought so much condemnation and so much guilt. And since that day, I've had no desire to look any woman but straight in her eyes. And there's nothing but purity in my thoughts now. And it's not because it's because of him. He freed me. Now, I didn't understand what had happened. All I knew, I just had a crazy, a crazy next level encounter with God and I'm free. I am free. Everything was shifted. I, it was a year later before I understood it. So that next week, Someone randomly sends me a video, somebody I hardly ever see or talk to, sends me this video of this guy, and I, it don't even matter who he is. I didn't know who the guy was. Never heard of him before. I hit play on the YouTube video, and I'm watching this guy who everywhere he goes, he just loves on people with the love of Christ, and he shares the gospel with them, and he's praying for them, and they're getting healed, and there's healing miracle after healing miracle, and people accepting the Lord, and he's just showing the love of Christ, and I'm like, Wow. And I'm like several minutes into this video, and I know that I know that I know 
that this is what the Lord's calling me to do. And I'm scared out of my ever-loving mind. I'm like, Lord, you want me to walk up to a stranger I don't know and actually ask to pray for them? What? No way. I can't do that. I mean, it was a mountain of fear. I've never had a problem talking in front of people. I've done this for years. But to walk up to a stranger who I don't even know if wants to talk to me or not, much less talk to me about the gospel, and to pray for them and share, it was just overwhelming to me. But he wouldn't leave me alone. And so a few days of this, I finally get to the point where I'm like, okay, Lord. Okay, okay, yes, yes. But you got to help me because this is like a mountain to me. And so I knew it had to be a lifestyle. I knew it had to be every day. I knew that's what he was calling me to. So I said, okay, everywhere I go, Lord, I'm just going to start paying people a compliment. And I'm just going to like, you know, if they say something back nice, I'll, before I part ways, I'll just say, God bless you. Have a good day. Look, my goal was to do that everywhere I went. I was chickening out. I was doing it two or three times a day and I was chickening out two or three times a day. And I, I would simple situations just to pay for some food. And I'm thinking, okay, um, just say, God bless you. Have a good day. And I wouldn't do it. And I'd walk away like, what is your problem? That was not that hard. And it was such a battle. But I, I started doing it a few times a day, though, and still chickening out. After a couple weeks, I was like, okay, I'm going to step it up. I'm going to step it up. I'm going to say, God loves you. There you go. So I do that. And I chicken out half the time. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to step it up again. I'm going I'm to be a man. I'm going to tough it out. And I'm going to tell him Jesus loves him. Because that gets a little different response sometimes. And I'm, and I'm doing it. And I'm chickening it out a couple times a day too. Two, and a half, two to two and a half months later, I finally got the courage to ask someone, do you need prayer for anything? I'm out of Bojangles. I'm like, okay, this is going to be the morning. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask them. Okay. So I go, I pay for my, my, my food. And I'm like, okay, I'm so nervous. I'm like, hey, do you need prayer for anything? No, I'm good. I'm like, oh, oh, that wasn't good. So I get to the end of the line to get my food. And there's this girl there and she's going, Hey, will you donate a dollar? Will you donate a dollar to whatever? And I gave her like, I don't know, a $5 bill or something. She's like, he donated $5. He donated. I mean, crazy. And like, she's like calling her manager over because I gave her a $5 bill or something. I don't know. I'm like, what's going on here? And, and so, but she's so nice and she's so excited. I'm like, well, this is an easy one. Like, hey, do you need prayer for anything? Yeah, thank you for asking me. My, my uncle's in the hospital with this and that. Could you please pray for him? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I pray for him. All right. And she's like, thank you so much. And, and, and I was like, so that, I was really encouraged now. I'm like, oh, that was good. Like that was, that was really a positive experience. So I, I got my bag of food. I grabbed some napkins. I'm walking to head out and there's a lady sweeping the floor and I stepped past her. And I was like, all right, come on, I can do it. And I turned around and said, hey, ma'am, excuse me. I said, I know you're working right now, but you know, I just saw you. I said, do you need prayer for anything today? She just stopped and looked at me. She said, yeah, would you pray for my daughter? She was abused and she's got this an abusive relationship right now. And, and she's, you know, had some problems with addiction. And would you pray for her? I said, yeah, okay, I'll pray for her. And I, I pray for her and I got my head bowed and my eyes closed and she does too. 
And, and I said, amen. And I look up and she's bawling. She is bawling. Every time I walked in those Bojangles, every day after, every time I'd ever go in there, those two ladies would always go, hey, how are you doing? And they would always, and, and, she, and I would always say, hey, how's your daughter, Tina? I still remember her name today. How's your daughter, Tina? Oh, thank you for asking. She's, so, she's actually doing better. And, you know, and it was just beautiful. And I ended up sitting down with them and sharing the gospel with them on another visit. And, 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 but look, so as I kept going forward, I'm still chickening out all the time, like half the time. And I didn't ask people, hey, do you need healing for anything? I never asked people that. I just said, do you need prayer for anything? But what I noticed is about every four, five, maybe five or six people would go, yeah, um, can you pray for my back? I've had this back problem for two years. Or can you pray for my knee? Or, or, or I got cancer. Or I got this. Or I got that. Can you pray for me? I'd be like, sure. And I would pray and ask God to heal people. And nobody would get healed. And so I'm praying now for two or three people a day. The fear didn't go away till like seven more months, seven or eight more months, about eight more months. Then the fear was gone. I mean, gone. But I'm praying for people that are not getting healed. So I'm just going to kind of go down this lane just so we can kind of transition into the healing part here for a second so you can understand that journey. I believed in healing, believed in Jesus because I saw it all in the Bible. I see Jesus healed them all. He healed them all. I see by his stripes, we were healed. And Peter, we are healed. And he took the stripes 2,000 years ago. So I'm going, well, if we were healed 2,000 years ago and by his stripes we're healed, how come people aren't getting healed? How many people, so many people in the church are sick? Didn't make sense to me. But I knew there had to be a reason. So, you know, and, and we like in our religion to come up with all these reasons. See, what? I'll come back to that one. So we like to come up with all these excuses, all these reasons to justify why we're not seeing what we see in the Bible. Well, I really believed in Jesus. I believed in healing. I was healed years ago. I had a ruptured disc in my lower back, had an MRI showing it fully ruptured. They had the test results to prove it. Uh, A week after I had the MRI, which was after eight months of chronic pain, um, I got, he, he, he literally gave me, God gave me a brand new disc in my back, went back and had tests. They could not explain it. It was beyond all explanation. The doctor said, well, I don't know what to say. If you ever have a problem, come back. I said, doc, I won't be back. That's the newest disc in my back. It's good. <laughs> you know, and I never had a back problem since that's been 20 years ago. All right. So I knew he was a healer. I'd seen a couple glimpses of healing here and there over the years. But most of the time what I was seeing, people would come up at church, they would pray for them and they'd walk away hurting. That's what I saw most of the time. That's what I experienced most of the time when I would pray for people. So I'm out there praying for people. Nobody's getting healed. Well, here's the thing. Because I was trying to overcome the fear See, at first I was saying, I got to go overcome this fear, so I need more faith. And then I started realizing, I don't need more faith. I need more love because I read in the word where it says, perfect love cast out all fear. Because fear has to do with torment. And if you have fear, you haven't been perfected in love. I went, wow, I don't need more faith to overcome this fear. I need more love. So I started going and hitting my knees. I would go out and pray for people. They wouldn't get healed. 
Uh, you know, and, but a lot of them would receive, you know, would accept the gospel, which was even better than them getting healed, you know, and I would see that, but I would go back and hit my knees and go, Lord, your word says in Mark 16 verses 15 through 20, you talk about that these signs shall follow those who believe that in your name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. If they pick up any, you know, and he goes through and he, and he, and then he goes down a couple of verses later and says, and you shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. And the Lord worked with them, confirming his word. So I would go back and hit my knees and say, Lord, because he kept me on that verse all year. I was like, Lord, I believe. I don't understand. How come you're not healing them? How come you're not confirming your word? I don't understand, Lord. What's going on? I know you love them. You are love. What's going on? And I would go out and pray for more people and they wouldn't get healed. And I'd come and hit my knees and cry out before God. I'd go out and pray for more people. They wouldn't get healed. I'd come out and cry out before God. Because I refused to make a doctrine out of what I wasn't seeing. Because what I wasn't seeing was not in the word of God. In the word of God, it kept saying, by his stripes, they're healed. Jesus healed them all. Every time he sent the disciples out, he said, go heal the sick, go cast out demons, and go tell them to repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Because we don't see it, we want to separate the gospel from the healing and deliverance. Why? Because we don't see it and don't know what to do. Jesus never separated it. Everywhere he went, he healed the sick, he cast demons out, and he proclaimed the gospel. Every time he sent his disciples out, he, he told them, go heal the sick, go cast out unclean spirits, and go tell them to repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Every time he sent them out, that's what he would see. Jesus himself said, if you don't believe me by the words I say, then at least believe by the miracles you see me do. How come we can't say that today? Because we're not seeing the miracles. We should be, though. And you can. Every single person in here can. Every person. Everybody that we teach what, what the Lord taught me, we teach it to others, they teach it to others, and they all see the same thing. Because it ain't about me. It's about him. And so this journey to, to, to understand this, I go back and I cry out. And I go pray for people who wouldn't get healed. I come back and cry out. Lord. And, I, and, I, and, you know, you slip into this church, this church stuff, you know. You start hearing them say, hey, uh, you know, this guy's got a special anointing. And this guy's anointed. And go see this guy. There's a, he's anointed. And so I thought. Well, I've tried everything else. Like, nothing's working. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe it is an anointing. So I'm on my knees crying out to God, God, if it's anointing, anoint me. I know you called me to do this, Lord. Lord, and not only that, Lord, you're changing my heart so much. And as I've cried out for love and said, Lord, fill me with your love. Let me see them the way you see them. Let me, Lord, give me so much love in my heart that when I see someone limping along, I can't stay back and do nothing that I have to go and pray for them that my heart is just just crying for them that there's so much love I have to go talk to them and, and be a blessing and he started changing my heart that way so what would happen I, I was now shifting in this place where I would pray for them and, and I would run across these precious people who who love God so much and I would pray for them and they have faith and they wouldn't be healed. 
but he was filling me with so much love, I'd walk away crying. They're sitting there fine. They didn't expect to get healed anyway. Because everybody else has prayed for them, they never got healed. So even though they believe and yeah, God can do anything and whatever, they don't really expect it because they've never seen it. And I'm walking away, I'm the one crying. Because I'm like, Lord, they're still hurting so bad. It was such a nice person. They loved you. And I would cry out. So I'm, Lord, anoint me, anoint me, anoint me for, for like two months. And out praying for people every day. And then I'm on my knees crying out for anointing. And this was another time I heard him so clearly. The Holy Spirit says, stop. He said, you don't need more anointing. I am the anointing. And you have all of me that you need. He said, what you need is revelation. You don't understand things. There's things you don't, that you're not understanding. You need revelation, which means to reveal. It's like a bride with a dark veil on. And it literally means to lift the veil so they can see clearly. So I changed what I was praying for. I started every day going, Lord, teach me. Teach me. Reveal. Show me what I don't see. Show me what I don't understand. And I go out and pray for people and they wouldn't get healed. I come back. Teach me. And yes, I'm sharing the gospel, but our topic today is healing. So I'm not downplaying sharing the gospel. That's, we always share the gospel when we pray for people. Okay? But I'm just emphasizing, I'm telling you the healing part. Because that's, that's what we were talking about we wanted to do here today. So, and I would go back and I would cry out. And you know what? He started teaching me. Next week, I'm going to teach on exactly in detail what he taught me. And if you'll take the same thing and you will apply it as you pray for people, you will see him flow through you and do miracle after miracle after miracle. Will you see everyone you pray for healed? Nope. And I actually understand that now because <laughs> for a while that confused me. I actually have really good clarity on that and I know what needs to be done to see them healed because here's what I know now. He wants them all healed. But there are some things that need to happen sometimes before that's going to happen. Whereas other times it's just really simple. Just say in Jesus' name, be healed. So here's what he, I'll give you the, the short, short summary version. And then we're going to teach on it when I'm back in two weeks. Excuse me, it's not next week, it's two weeks. All right, so the first thing was identity, who, you, who we are in Christ. I knew all the verses, could have done a sermon on it. But it wasn't here. I, I understood the verses here. Here I was not a son. And he taught me, he took being a son or daughter of God to here. And it was deep revelation. I'll share some of that with you next week. And then the second thing, now, now getting that revelation of, of who we are as sons, I didn't see any difference in people being healed. Literally the 50th, roughly about the 50th person I prayed for for healing, I saw get miraculously healed right in front of me. I was at Briggs Restaurant in Wake Forest. I think the boy still works there. His name was Tommy. And he had severe back pain. I said, hey, um, you, you, you look like, what's going on? He's like, oh, severe back pain. I was in, uh, I've been in bed for three months with uh, Crohn's disease. And I just started back working and I can't even touch my knees. And I'm having to bend over and bust these tables and I'm just hurting so bad. How bad's your bad, how bad's your pain? Zero, 10. Oh, it's like a 10. Well, hey man, let me pray for you. God will heal you. Now I didn't tell him I'd pray for 49 in a row to be healed that weren't healed. <laughs> I didn't tell him that. Uh, don't tell him that. Okay. And so, 
So, uh, but I'm just like, okay, let me pray for him. And I'm like, Lord, heal him. You know, I'm quoting scripture and I'm asking God to heal and all this. And, and as soon as I finished praying, I said, do what you couldn't do before. And he goes, okay. And he bends over and touches the ground. He comes up with a shocked look on his face. And before I could say a word, because he, he was in disbelief that he could touch the ground, he bent back over and touched the ground again. I said, I, and I said, what's your pain level now? He said, it's gone. I have no pain. It's gone. And I said, isn't Jesus good? And honestly, I'm not sure if he was more surprised than I was. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. I'm just being honest. because I, I mean, I was believing, but like I was praying for so many people and never seeing it. And then about the 80th person I prayed for also got healed. And that was a messed up knee. Okay. And immediately healed. All right. And, uh, and so, but this was during that time that I was, he was teaching me. All right. And after he started teaching me, so the second thing he taught me, which I'll talk about in detail last night was to pray in authority instead of asking God to heal people. You say, well, aren't there things we're supposed to ask God for? Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. There's a lot of things we're supposed to ask him for. Healing's not one of them. Healing's one we're supposed to walk in authority. Jesus said, I give you authority. I give you the power. It actually means authoritative power if you look at it in the Greek. I give you authoritative power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. It says Jesus went about healing the sick and all who were oppressed of the devil. So if sickness is the oppression of the devil and we can tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, then that's something we're supposed to tread over. We're supposed to walk in authority over it. And the way the Lord gave me that one is I was, this was more of an impression more than hearing him as a thought like he normally talks to me, but I just felt this strong impression like I was supposed to get my, go get my Bible and highlight everything Jesus said, verbally said, when people were healed. And to highlight what the disciples verbally said when people were healed. And you know what I realized? I got partway through, I got to Acts chapter 8, and I'm reading this section of scripture that I'll talk about when I come back, and it, it clicked. I went, oh my goodness, I'm not praying like they're praying. They never, ever, ever asked God to heal anybody. They would say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, to rise and walk. Stretch forth your hand. Lazarus, come forth. It didn't matter if it was the disciples or Jesus. That's what you see in Scripture every time. The closest thing you see to asking is Jesus one time says, he says his prayer before he raises Lazarus from the dead, but then right before he raises him, he says, Father, I don't pray this for any reason except for them. Just, this is just for them. <laughs> this is just for them. Lazarus, come forth. You see the authority? Okay, so I started learning, praying authority. So when I had this revelation, man, I was like, this is it. Game on. I, I couldn't even sleep that night. I thought I had the key. I thought, okay, I'm going to go. Everyone's going to get healed. And so I go out and I see this lady and, I, and I'll tell this next week, but I pray for boom, she gets healed. And I'll tell you more about that one later when I come back. And uh, so then he taught me a third thing. So when he taught me the second one, the praying authority, I saw my percentages go from averaging, remember number 50 was healed, number 80 was healed, so I'm like one out of 40. So if you were sick, you probably didn't want to come have me pray for you. <laughs> okay? 
Not very good odds. So, uh, so I'm averaging this. And so all of a sudden I'm like, okay, um, I, I start just by praying in authority, just that change. I start seeing one out of 10 on average healed immediately right in front of me, right in front of me immediately. I'm like, Whoa, this is awesome. And I was so excited, but then I still couldn't understand. Well, what about the rest of them? And I thought, well, the difference in one out of 40 and one out of 10 was something I didn't know that you taught me. And that's what you told me is I needed revelation. So I, I, I guess if I keep crying out from revelation, you'll teach me something else. Cause he says my people perish for a lack of what knowledge. knowledge. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. So I cry out, Lord, teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, teach me. And then he teaches me a big, big one. He t- and I, I'm going to have to go in this next week. I don't have time to unpack this this time. When I come back, I'll unpack this one. But he teaches me about this carnal, fleshly mind that is an enemy of God. It says in Romans 8, 7, and it's not subject to the laws of God. It says it can't be. It says it can't be in line with God. That this, there's a carnal, fleshly mind that is going to war against the things of God all the time, and it'll never stop. And I'll teach on this in detail because this was the big one. That one took the average to, to like roughly about 8 out of 10, 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10. Sometimes, some weeks I'd hit 9 out of 10, or he would, you know. But what, what, what he taught me through that, and I'll have to unpack that next time, it was how I was in the way. It was like we're supposed to be this conduit for the Spirit of God to flow through. It's not about us. It's about him. And we're supposed to be this conduit for him to flow through. And that carnal fleshly mind is a big stopper in the conduit. And, and I'll give you scripture to back it up next week. And you, you, or two weeks. I keep saying next week. Two weeks. It, you'll see it in scripture. And you'll be like, oh, wow. Never seen that before. And the crazy thing is on this journey... He didn't teach me new scripture. I already knew scripture. He gave me revelation of scripture. It was like all these puzzle pieces, and I knew that one really well, and I knew that one really well, and I knew that one really well, and I could have done a sermon on any of the three topics, and he snapped them all together, and I saw this amazing new picture I'd never seen before. That's what it was like. It's called revelation versus just reading and knowledge and head knowledge. It became revelation. I was like, whoa, it can't. And here's my first thought. It can't be that simple. Really? That's all it is? I've been striving and straining and trying to climb this mountain. And the whole time, it's just that? Really? Wow. No. Wow. And and I started seeing all these miracles. I figured that out August of 19. Just walking around town, restaurants, grocery stores, getting gas at the gas station. I saw about 20, over 20 people healed that month. Just walking around town praying for people, sharing the gospel with people. And here's what I would find. When I would share, go up to share the gospel with people without there being healing there along with it, most of the time, no, nah, I'm good. You know, no, I don't have time, you know. But when I'd see someone hobbling along or something, or even if I didn't see them hobbling, hey, do you need prayer for anything? Oh, yeah, you got this pain. Oh, hey, watch this in Jesus' name, be healed. Hey, check it. What do you mean check it? Check it. Like right now, check it. What did you do? What, what did you do? I didn't do anything. It's all him. 
No, 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 no. I've, I'm a believer. I've had many people pray for me. I've, what did you do? I didn't do anything. It's all him. He just taught me a few things. What did he teach you? Like people, or if it's someone who's not a believer, they're not born again, they would be like, whoa, how did this happen? How did this happen? And, and I would be like, yeah, and I would just start telling them about Jesus. I'd start sharing the gospel with them. You say they have to be a believer? No, no. No, they don't. I was at the coffee shop at the mall, guy and a girl behind the counter. There was nobody else at the, in line. Thank you, Jesus. He just set that up. I'm like, hey, can I ask y'all a crazy question? They were like, yes, this is going to be a crazy one. They were like, no, it's fine. I'm sure they thought I was asking about something in the mall. I said, anyone, either one of you have any physical pain in your body at all right now? The girl goes, yeah, my back's all messed up. I said, can I pray for you? I said, God will heal your back. She goes, she looked at me straight and eye. She goes, I don't believe in God. I said, I didn't ask you if you believe in God. I was just wondering if, you're, if you wanted your back to quit hurting. Well, of course I want my back to quit hurting. Well, let me pray for you. Well, I don't believe anything will happen because I, I know there's not a God. I said, well, what's the worst that can happen? Worst that happens, your back still hurts. The best that happens is it doesn't hurt anymore. Won't you let me pray for you? Well, okay, but make it quick. Okay, meet me at the end of the counter. In the name of Jesus, back be healed. All pain go. Hey, just out of curiosity, don't, don't check for the pain yet, but you feel anything going on in your back? Yeah, it's really tingly and hot. I asked the Lord healing it. Actually, I didn't say it to her because I didn't want to say the Lord. I just said, I, I, it's being healed. I said, just let me know when that, focus on that, let me know when it goes away. And about 30 seconds later, she goes, okay, stop. I said, check it. She bends, she looks at me real weird. I said, go ahead, try to make it hurt. And she's like going every weird way you can imagine. Like I couldn't even move, like starting to move these kind of ways. Like she's moving all over, try, trying to make this thing hurt. She can't make it hurt. And she's going, what, how, how did this happen? Like, I don't understand what, this is weird. How did this happen? Like it does, it really doesn't hurt. What, it, I don't understand. I said, I, I know what happened. What? I understand. Well, I don't understand. This is weird. Do you want to know? Yeah, I want to. Are you sure you want to know? Yes, I want to know. It's Jesus. He loves you so much. And you're not thinking about him and he doesn't. And you don't believe in him, but he believes in you and he loves you with all of his heart. And he's showing you how much he loves you here today. He cares about you so much. You're precious to him. It opens doors. I've had believers, had this old man named Herman. I go to this really traditional Baptist church out in the middle of Lewisburg. Meet with the pastor, meet with him on some AV stuff. I have an audiovisual company, works with churches. And so I'm out there and Herman's complaining about, he's, Herman's like probably late 70s, I guess. And he's like continually complaining about something hurting. But he never says what. He just complains about hurting. And so, so all this is going on. And Herman, I finally get Herman. Herman, what? And the pastor goes, hey, I've got to go, guys, or whatever. So the pastor steps out. Herman, can I pray for you? Yeah, young man, you can pray for me. I said, Herman, okay, what exactly is hurting? Herman goes, well... I got arthritis and I can't bend my hand past there. That's all I can do. And it's been like that for about two years now. And I really would love to bend my hand, but I can't bend my hand. 
and it's always aching. And, uh, oh, and I've got two bad knees that are hurting and my ankles hurt and I got a crick in my neck and I can't move past here. I'm not kidding you. That's what he said to me. I'm like, wow, Herman's in bad shape here, you know? And so I said, Herman, okay, I'm going to pray for you. I said, Herman, this is going to be a little different than the prayers you're used to. I said, because here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray for you in the name of Jesus. And he's going to heal you completely and take all your pain away right now. You say, that's pretty bold. No, it's not because I know him. I didn't know him before. I knew about him. Now I know him. It's not bold at all. So, and so I, 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 and Herman looks at me in total disbelief. (laughs) Like he's part of a church that don't believe in healing. They think it went out with the first church, you know? And, but he's looking me in disbelief. I said, Herman, let's start with one thing at a time. What's the worst? He said, my hand. I said, I I really, it drives me crazy not to be able to bend my hand. All right. In the name of Jesus, I command all arthritis to leave his hand. Now get out. Everything be healed in Jesus name. Herman, you feel anything going on? Yes. Really hot. Okay. Let me know when that stops. And I'm just like thinking about something else. Look, I want you to pick up on this. Okay. Here's what, here's what I'm going to do in a little bit. I'm going to ask who in here needs healing. And you guys are all going to help. Because I'm not the key. Jesus is. And, I, and I'm going to give you the real simple version. And it's going to sound so simple, you're going to want to dismiss it. And your mind's going to want to say, no, it's not that easy. But next, in two weeks, I'm going to teach you why this is the key. But what I want you to do is just on faith, do the simple little thing I'm going to ask you to do. Which is just say, in Jesus' name, be healed. And then what I want you to do is relax. Not, don't strain, don't strive, don't try, don't pray a fancier prayer, don't pray louder, just relax. Just go in Jesus' name be healed, and in your mind I kind of want you to go, your turn Lord, and then I want you to think about nothing or think about something else. In other words, what am I telling you? Get out of the way. In Jesus' name be healed, your turn Lord, and get out, get the flesh out of the way. Get that carnal fleshly mind out of the way. Get that carnal fleshly mind is going to interfere. It's going to want to say things like, now how many of y'all have ever heard this before when you prayed for someone? It's going to say things like, it's not going to work. They're not going to get healed. The last one didn't get healed. Who do you think you are? You're going to look foolish. You're going to make Jesus look foolish. Y'all ever heard a little voice talking to you like that? That's the problem. In two weeks, I'm going to tell you how to get that out of the way completely. Like for good. Okay. And that is, you'll start seeing him flow through you. So good. But today you're just going to just go, you're just going to listen to what I'm saying. Just take it on faith. And, and we're all going to work. We're going to work together. And we're just going to say in Jesus name, be healed. And we're just going to kind of relax. We're not going to try. We're not going to strain. We're just going to be like your turn, Jesus, your turn, Lord, go Holy Spirit. And we're just going to get our mind somewhere. You can think about your favorite hobby if you want. You can think about your favorite vacation spot if you want. You just don't think about them. Just get out of it. Get out of the way. Okay? And watch what he does here today. It's going to be amazing. Okay? So he started teaching me this. This is what took it to 8 out of 10. And then he later, I, I, I was like for months, I was like so excited I thought, wow, this is like, it's it. Until I prayed for this lady one day who was a lady of faith. She had more faith than the last several people in a row combined I'd prayed for it, and she didn't get healed. I walked away in tears. 
She's walking away going, well, we'll just keep praying and believing. Amen, sister, we'll keep praying and believing. And I'm weeping as I'm walking away. And I'm going, Lord. And see, this was after a few months of seeing a lot of miracles. And I was like, Lord, I don't understand. She had more faith than all those combined. I, I, I literally prayed for five people that same morning who had gotten healed. And she didn't. And she had more faith than all the five combined. She had just come from church. And that, I'll never forget that lady. I don't know her name. I wish I did. But I'll never forget her. Because she's the reason I started hitting my knees again going, Lord, teach me, teach me, teach me. Lord, the difference in 1 out of 40 and 1 out of 10 was something I didn't know that you taught me. And the difference out of 1 out, one out of 10 and 8 out of 10 is something I didn't know that you taught me. So what about, I guess there might be something else I need to learn to see the other couple, 2 or 3 out of 10, get healed. So Lord, teach me. And he taught me something else. He started talking to me about deliverance. Sometimes people have unclean spirits that need to be cast out. And you see that in the word of God. It's, sometimes it says Jesus healed them. Sometimes it says he cast the demon out of the boy and then the boy was healed. That's in scripture. Okay. So sometimes we see that. And we'll talk about that a little bit next time. Okay. And so that's a reality to it though. All right. For today... I'm going to leave you with this. So the repentance is so key. All right. One of the things I've seen is I've continued down this journey. A lot of, I can't, I can't even count how many times I've prayed for a believer and gone in Jesus name, be healed. And I'm used to seeing 70, 80% immediately healed. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed for a believer and not seen them healed weren't healed. Nothing changed. Prayed again. Nothing changed. Prayed again. Nothing changed. Okay. And then, and here's what I've learned to do now. I, I can't even count how many times this is, this has been the key. I just, I just say, Hey, you're a believer, right? Yeah. Okay. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just ask the Lord what it is if there's, or just ask the Lord, is there anything at all you need to repent of or anybody you need to forgive that in any way, shape or form has to do with this injury you have, you know, and I'm not even saying, or just the hindrance of it being healed, you know, just in any way, shape or form has to do with it. It's associated in some way. Just ask him. Here's what I've seen that has blown my mind. He always tells them. He always tells them. That's been, like, at first, I didn't realize, like, and so, but I started seeing the patterns, like, he's always telling them. Why? Because the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin to draw us into repentance. So we can come back in the safe place with God. And here's what happens. As soon as he shows them and they forgive someone or they repent of what he shows them, sometimes he'll show them just one thing. Sometimes he'll show them five things. Like, boom, 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 five things. Oh, oh wow, he just showed me, like, Five things. Okay. All right. Well, repent. And they repent or forgive. And then here's all I do. All right. In Jesus' name, be healed. Boom. They're healed. I see that more times than I can count. So that's one of them. And then sometimes it takes, a, it's a little more involved. Because sometimes there's a whole lot of repentance that needs to happen. Sometimes there's some really, really, really deep trauma that needs to be dealt with. Sometimes there's some generational stuff involved. There's different things that I've learned along the way.
And I do this every day. I, I, six days a week, I, I get up in the morning, I spend time with the Lord. I minister from noontime or so to midnight, six days a week. I never stop. I go person to person, house to house, person to person, house to house. We're ministering to people. We're seeing the sick healed. We're seeing the, the captives delivered. We're seeing the gospel preached. We're seeing people baptized. We baptize about 50 or 60 people a year. Um, we're, are, we're, you know, and, and, it's, and we got a whole group of disciples now. We started a, about 18 months ago, a year and a half ago, roughly. Maybe it's been 19 or 20 months, something like that. But roughly a year and a half ago, we were trying to figure out how to disciple people. And we ran across an amazing brother in Burlington, North Carolina, who taught us an amazing system of disciple making that we were able to adopt that system. Uh, we had about eight of us, maybe 10 of us at most that were out living this life at that time. And so we had one home fellowship. And in the last year and a half, we've grown to over 30 home fellowships with over a dozen adults. And everyone in our fellowships is being personally discipled by somebody to teach them how to live out the kingdom of God in their everyday life, everywhere they go. And that's what our focus is in. We want to grow them in the Lord, grow them in intimacy with the Lord, relationship with the Lord, grow them in, the, in, in, in doctrine and in scripture uh, to make sure they're solid in truth. Um, and we want them to learn how to live the kingdom and how to make other disciples who can do the same. Okay? So that, that's what we do now. And the repentance is so important, okay? And I, this is the last little thing I'm going to tell you. When we look at Scripture, and uh, so here's the crazy thing. So after I got set free from this deep repentance he led me through, okay, I, um, I said, Lord, what was my birth process like to be born again? I don't know why I asked that question. I just did. Because I said, Lord, I feel like it took me 28 years to get birthed. I, mean, I felt like a long, long, hard labor, you know? And, uh, and, and, um, and he showed me this, I mean, I had a waking vision for the first time in my life. And here's what he showed me. And later I found it in scripture. I'm like, whoa. And so here's what he showed me. I see this image of me in the desert as an adult. And weird, I have an umbilical cord attached to me. Isn't that weird? And the umbilical cord is going across the desert through the Red Sea, which in my vision was still parted. And it was attached to a half-dead me on the cross in Egypt, in the world. And God looks at the half-dead me on the cross and He says, Will you hurry up and die? And then it flashes to that night where the Holy Spirit came into my room and led me through that deep, thorough, complete repentance. Forgiving everyone. Repenting of everything. And then it flashes back to the half-dead me on the cross, which dies completely. The Red Sea that was parted closes up and severs and removes the umbilical cord. See, the umbilical cord was the attachment of the new man in Christ, attaching him back through the waters of baptism, the Red Sea, back to the half-dead me that was on the cross, the old man of sin. And the stuff from the old life was contaminating my new man, and he was stuck in the desert. 
And when the Red Sea closed up, removed the umbilical cord, he looked at the me in the desert and said, okay, my son, you can now go to the promised land. So right after that, same week, I'm reading in 1 Corinthians, and I run across 1 Corinthians 10. Listen to this. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, which was what? The Holy Spirit in the desert. They followed the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. That was the Holy Spirit. They were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Now listen to this wording. All were baptized into Moses, because Christ hadn't come yet. This is a foreshadowing of what's happening with Christ. All were baptized in the cloud and in the sea. What? They were baptized in the sea? They were water baptized when they went through the Red Sea? That was their water baptism? And when they were following the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night and they were under the cloud, that was their baptism of the Spirit? What? Wow! That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10. New Testament talking about an Old Testament thing. They were baptized in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank the spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Jesus was there. Can you imagine being in a desert and a rock following you around? Giving you water? Like What? So Jesus is there. So the Holy Spirit's there. The Jesus is there too. Ah, but where's the Father? Where was the Father? Mount Sinai, given the Ten Commandments to Moses. The fullness of the Trinity was with them in the desert. And it says they drank the spiritual, same spiritual drink, for they drank the spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. But, but with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Here's what I've come to learn. For 28 years, I was stuck in the desert. Was I born again? Yes, just like a picture of them being born again. All right, well, wait, you got to repent before you get baptized for it to be born again. You got to repent first. Not just to ask Jesus in your heart. That's not in Scripture. you got to repent of your sins. You have to turn from them and turn to Jesus. That's repentance. Where was their repentance? It's when they decided to leave Egypt, their old life. That's where they had been for 400 years in slavery, in bondage to their enemy. They were in slavery for 400 years. It's where their homes were, though. It's where their families were. It's where all they knew. And they decided, wait. Okay, you want us, Moses, you want us to do what? Follow God? Follow God to leave Egypt and follow God to a promised land. When they decided to follow God and leave that old life, that was their repentance. They're turning from the old. They're turning to follow Jesus. They're turning to follow God. So, he takes, so once they have that initial repentance, he takes them through the waters of baptism, through the Red Sea. He take, puts them under the cloud, baptizing the Spirit. A picture of being born again. Where are they supposed to be, though? After 40 days of travel across the desert, they're supposed to be in the promised, promised land. But where are they stuck for 40 years? The desert. Here's what I understood. For 28 years, I was stuck in the desert as a born-again believer, just like they were. I was stuck in the desert. 
And it was a year later before I understood this. Most Christians are stuck in the desert. They're experiencing God. The basic provisions are there. They've, they got all they need. Just like they did. But they're stuck in the desert. And the problem is, when I was in the desert, I didn't know I was in the desert. Because everybody around me was in the desert. Everybody I went to church with was in the desert. The pastor was preaching from a pulpit in the desert. Because he didn't know the way to the promised land either. He was bound with the same junk as everybody in the congregation was. He just hid it better. And we wear our mask and we look like everything's great and we go and inside we're all messed up. That's where I was for 28 years. And we're stuck in the desert when we're supposed to be in the promised land. And you say, well, how do I get to the promised land? The same way that the Israelites, what the same thing they had to do to get the promised land is the same thing we as born again believers have to do to get from the desert to the promised land. You can experience God in the desert for the rest of your life here on earth if you want. Or you can do what's needed to be done to move to the promised land. You say, well, what is that? Same thing he was trying to get them to do. He says, he tells them to purify your hearts, you sinners. It's like, purify all that stuff out. Quit thinking about the old life in Egypt and being attached to that and saying, man, we should just go back to Egypt. We had it better there. I mean, at least there we had. No, like cut the ties with the old life. Realize you're the new creation in Christ and accept God's ways and His truth and repent and turn from all that stuff and cut ties with it completely. Purge it out. But he said most of them couldn't do that. So he was not well pleased with them. So many of them died in the wilderness. Only a few of them that entered that desert originally got to go to the promised land. What is the key to it? The repentance. The repentance. Okay, so before we start praying for people, here's what I want to ask of you. You can do this if you want to. But this is what I'm going to encourage you to do. I want you to just get quiet before God for a minute. And I want you to ask Him. Say, Lord, if there's anything in my heart not of You, I ask that You show me. If there's someone I need to forgive that I've got anger toward, that I've got bitterness toward, that I've got frustration with, that I'm aggravated with, show me. If there's any sin that I've had in my heart, any things I'm believing that are not of You, any emotions in my heart, toward things or people or situations that are not of you. Show me, Lord, that I may repent. And whatever He shows you, just say, Father, I repent of anger. I repent, Lord, and I turn to You, Jesus. I repent of all the frustration. Lord, I forgive. I forgive my sister. I forgive my brother. Forgive my parents. I forgive them, Lord. I repent of having that unforgiveness in my heart. I repent of judging them. Lord, I repent of the anger I had in my heart. I repent of the resentment and the bitterness. I repent, Lord, of these things. Of hatred, murderous thoughts, whatever it was. I repent, Lord. I repent. Whatever He shows you. Forgiveness can be a tough one. 
I've had some people, they've had to go home and just spend a few weeks with the Lord, asking Him to help them with it, to forgive someone, because what they did was so bad. But it says in the Word, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and evil spirits of the dark world. And the reality is, no matter what those people did, if they knew Jesus, not religion, they knew Jesus. Relationship, they'd have never done those things. People that are hurt hurt other people. They, they, they get hurt by others. They get demonized. They get full. And all of a sudden they're doing stuff that they hated themselves and they're hurting other people. And it's the enemy working through them to hurt person after person after person. And when he gets them to hurt you or hurt someone, he's binding them up more and you up more. The enemy gets a two for one. Let him into those places. Give it to him. Give him the hurt. Give him the pain. Cast your burdens upon him. And just repent. And when you're ready, if you need healing, just stand up or raise your hand 